baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it's time for another chat about what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. And as everyone is well aware by now, pitchers and catchers have reported spring training baseball, Grapefruit League action for the Braves about to get started this weekend. It is a great time to be a baseball fan as opening day is closer by the day. And with that in mind, something I like to do every year is size up the Braves roster position by position. And that's going to kick off with this episode as we take a good look at the Braves starting rotation and the guys that Atlanta is going to be counting on to really give them some consistency this year after a crazy roller coaster ride out of the rotation in the year 2020. We've got some familiar faces coming back. We've got some new faces joining that starting five. And we'll talk about them all on this episode of From the Diamond as Paul Bird of Fox Sports South joins me in just a moment. Before we get started with the show, I want to remind you, you can subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. You can follow me on Twitter at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore. Over on Instagram, I'm at Grant McCauley there. The show is at From the Diamond. And of course, the YouTube channel where you can catch all the interviews and other fun stuff we do here on the show. You can subscribe over there. Just look for me at Grant McCauley over on the YouTube channel as well. And be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get all the new videos each and every week. And if you missed anything in any of those places and want to look for some of the articles and other fun content that I'm doing, you can find it all at FromTheDiamond.com. So as we get my Braves preview series kicked off, it's kind of an annual occurrence, and we break down each of the positions and look at the pitching staff, both in the rotation and the bullpen. We look at the infield, the outfield, the catchers, the bench, the guys that are going to make an impact this year. I figured no better place to start than the Braves rotation because that's exactly where Alex Anthopoulos started when he did his winter shopping by bringing in a couple of new names. And I want to bring in a familiar name to the show. He, of course, is Paul Bird, uh, the longtime Major League pitcher, former Brave, and, of course, an integral part of all the good stuff happening on Fox Sports South throughout the Braves broadcast. You can follow him on Twitter at PaulBird36. Paul, it's been quite a while since we've been able to sit down and talk some Braves, but I'm excited to have you on the show and excited that we got baseball back coming very, very soon. Uh, just you having me on this show is greatly appreciated. And, yeah, I agree. It starts to feel like baseball's in the air, pitchers and catchers reporting. It all feels good. And after a crazy 2020, I hope 2021 is a little better for sure. Now, let's hope so. It's been a real adjustment period, I think, for both the world and, of course, for baseball. We did get that 60-game season in last year, so we've got some interesting storylines to talk about when it comes to the Braves' rotation. But I think right off the top, the one thing that we learned last year is that the best-laid plans, even the best-laid plans, can go <laughs> wrong. And they did go wrong quite a bit for the Braves last year, but they were able to cobble together the rotation they got a standout performance from Max Freed. They got some 
unsung type performances from a young pitcher like Ian Anderson. But as you look at what the Braves were able to do in the offseason, just in general, do you feel like they addressed the issues that they had in the rotation, the things that they needed to do to get that group better for 2021? I do. The only word I would change, which you used, was needed. I don't 100% know that they needed to do something because they're getting Soroka back. Mm-hmm. They got Freed. They have Ian Anderson, who was all-world. And then the young guys like Bryce Wilson stepping up in the playoffs and the emergence of Kyle Wright last year was phenomenal. So when you did add Morton, you did add Smiley. Yeah, that's, you know, makes you a little better. But my goodness, this staff is loaded uh, with young guys in the rotation, in the pen. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see how this whole thing's going to shake out. Yeah, you and me both, and I think Braves fans are excited as well because, you know, whether or not it was just absolute need or just needing to have more quality depth, the Braves kind of felt like I think last year they had that, but some things just didn't go right. Cole Hamels was a non-factor. Mike Soroka being lost in his third start on the season. Mike Fultonevich faded. Sean Newcomb faded. Just a lot of different guys that you might have thought in the past we can count on. They just weren't able to count on. So let's uh, talk right (laughs) off the top about the two big additions that they made. And let's start with Charlie Morton. This is a guy that has a, just a fascinating story because he really didn't find himself as a power pitcher until his age, what, 32, 33 season by the time yeah. he got to Houston. And, Paul, I know you've gotten a chance to talk to Charlie a little bit. This is not the kid we saw come up back in 2008. This is a completely different pitcher that comes back for a second go-round with Atlanta. No, and I asked him about being a savvy veteran, to mentor the young guys. And he goes, Paul, just a couple of years ago, I was just fighting to have a job. Yeah. So because I don't really know when it transpired where I became this veteran pitcher that was going to lead people. He goes, most of my career, you know, has been a fight to stay in anybody's rotation. But you're right. It's very unusual to gain velocity late, usually after you're 25 years old. That's when your brain physically matures, your mm-hmm. body you usually do not throw any harder after 25. And here he is in his 30s with his velocity jump where he still throws the two-seamer, obviously. Sure. But he started throwing a four-seamer and really letting it go. So I think it was in there all the time. He just never threw the pitch that brought that out. And then, you know, with the World Series experience and fighting it out after all those years, you've earned a lot of respect. So when you walk in that clubhouse, People are going to listen to you. I've said before, you know, only of the people drafted, you know, 90% don't get the double A. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's crazy. So yeah, when you fight bad. it out in the big leagues for many years and you're in your 30s, it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer or not. People want to listen to hear what you have to say. And so he's been that grinder guy. And I think, as Alex Anthopoulos always says, it's not just getting a good player it's getting the right player who's going to make everybody else better in that clubhouse, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to Morton doing that. Yeah, let me throw some numbers at exactly what Charlie Morton found by the time he was getting over to Houston. I think that pretty unremarkable numbers until he signed with the Astros, and some folks looked at that Astros contract, that two years and $14 and thought, why are you giving this to a guy that really hasn't proven himself yet? He was 46-71. and with an ERA just over four and a half. He was only averaging about six strikeouts per nine. And that was his first nine seasons in the big leagues. But since signing with Houston, 47 and 18 with a 334 and averaged almost 11 strikeouts per nine. 
He's found two or three more miles an hour on the fastball. He cut the usage of that sinker, started throwing that fastball curve. I mean, he turned himself into a completely different type of pitcher, and he tinkered with his mechanics to where he had that little bit of Roy Halladay to him. I thought that Charlie Morton, for however you want to look at it, he stuck with it for a long time, overcame a lot of things, and eventually all of that hard work and perseverance paid off, and it paid off not only in Houston, but he also got the largest free agent contract in Tampa Bay Rays history, which is no small thing because they don't spend a lot of money. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of being a fine wine. You know, you just get better with yeah. age. It's a beautiful thing to see. Velocity jumps, unusual. But I love that, you know, he's getting better. Like, you're in the big league surviving, but you're still willing to make changes that could make you worse. Yep. But you want to be better, and he made those changes, and it did make him better, and, you know, he was rewarded. So I think that's a beautiful thing to see. Like I say, he's going to be a really great addition to a lot of young guys who are going to want to, hey, show me what it's yeah. like to be in your mid-30s and work hard. And so when you see people like that, that's what you go to as you grow up. That certainly was in the case for me. Yeah, and some of the guys that we're going to talk about, and I know you had your own unique experience as well, where you don't necessarily just come to the big leagues, no matter how talented you are, and are guaranteed to enjoy immediate success, especially over a long period of time. And baseball is a constant game of adjustments, trying to find the right opportunities at the right time, getting things to click. You're always working, especially as a pitcher. I mean, the work's never done. And for Charlie, he really showed that perseverance and the value of that. So when you think about some of the other guys we'll talk about, the Kyle Wright, uh, Bryce Wilson, uh, even to an extent Max Fried, who had to go through his own kind of long path through the minors and then used a little bit in the bullpen and yeah. ended up in the rotation. I think for all of these different guys, that is going to be a, a great influence to have around. Somebody who works so hard and that hard work turned into making him one of the best pitchers in the American League for the last four years. No, you're right. And people have said to me before, like Mike Soroka, Incredible pitcher, pitches like he's in his prime of his career in his early 30s. Incredible sinker. And, you know, everybody talks about the high fastball, the RPM, throwing the ball up in the zone to get that strikeout. Mm -hmm. Mike can do that, but he also relies on that sinker. And everybody's like, not everybody, but a lot of people have asked me, why doesn't everybody throw a sinker? And I'm like, well, John Smoltz has been trying his whole career, and he's in the Hall of Fame (laughs) and could never master that. Yeah. You know, so it's not like, hey, just go out and throw a sinker and then mm-hmm. throw a slider and hit your spot and then throw a devastating curve and then mix in a changeup, something that took me till I was in my 30s before I even could figure out. So you have a lot of these young pitchers. I'm talking about you, Ian Anderson. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Mike Sorokas, the Bryce Wilson. Freed's a little bit older, but still young, got a lot of miles left, so it's going to be really cool to see how these guys develop. I think you're setting up for another Braves run like you saw in the 90s and early 2000s where, you know, they asked Barry Bonds who the toughest pitcher he ever faced was, and he said anybody in the Braves rotation. Yeah. So you're looking at that kind of a team, a building process taking place in Atlanta, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a synergy that the Braves are building in this rotation with this group, both of the younger prospects and guys that have come through the system and then trying to bring in the right kind of veterans. And while it didn't work out with Cole Hamels last year due to injury and, uh, you know, that's regrettable, I'm glad that that didn't stop Alex Anthopoulos from just, again, going out and looking for not the long-term deal that may have been the the one that sets the market for everybody else. I mean, this wasn't, hey, we got to go out and sign a Garrett Cole type of pitcher, but it was – 
Charlie Morton yeah. can make the Braves rotation better. I think he's going to do that. And I want to hit you with a little bit of trivia before we move on to our next guy. Uh, but Charlie yeah. Morton joined the Braves rotation initially in 2008. Do you have any idea whose spot in rotation he took? Because somebody landed on the DL, uh, and Charlie Morton was the guy that got called up from AAA. 2008. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'll give you yeah, another little guy. hint. This was a coworker of yours. I told, was it Peter Moylan? No. He took Tom Glavin's place in the Braves rotation. Oh, my gosh. Because Tommy had left, gone to New York, signed that contract, came back to the Braves, and pitched in 2008, got hurt. And then in 2009, he never made a big league appearance and ended up retiring that year. But it was Tom Glavin who went on the disabled list for the first time in his career that gave Charlie Morton his first taste of the big league. So when you think about how long Charlie Morton's been since, I know, since Charlie Morton came up to where he comes in now, this is a guy that was Tom Glavin's teammate. Well, now he's Mike Soroka and Max Freed and all these other guys' teammate. I think that's pretty cool. I was going to say Smoltz, but I'm like, he's not my coworker. Glav's with New York. <laughs> so I'm racking my brain. And who in the world spot did he take in the rotation? That is a great trivia question. I may have to borrow that one from you, Grant. You are certainly welcome to. I just thought it was cool. I go back and I look and I thought, you know, this is around the time that Tommy Glavin's run in Atlanta, his reunion tour, if you will, the farewell tour I'm sure yeah. he wanted. It just wasn't going the way he wanted it to. Ended up getting hurt, and it was Charlie Morton that got the call. Now, he was traded a year later, was Morton over to Pittsburgh, made his stop over in, I believe, Philadelphia, then Houston, and, of course, Tampa Bay, and has turned himself into a great postseason pitcher. And I'm sure that postseason experience, a big reason why the Braves are happy to have Charlie Morton in their rotation. Now, I talked about Tom Glavin for a moment as one of the legendary lefties of the Braves, but a guy that really had a breakout season last year, even in the small sample size of the COVID-shortened season, and that, of course, was Max Freed. I don't know if there are enough superlatives to throw at Max Freed for what he was able to do to stabilize the rotation when everything else around him seemed to be falling apart. No, you're right on. And I don't know if 2020 was the greatest year for the Braves or the worst year of all time because, <laughs> you know, it's like how in the world they got to the playoffs, I have no idea. It's a great all question. The injuries. I thought it was the greatest job of managing by Brian Snicker I had ever seen. Guys coming up in that rotation that just struggled and struggled. I don't know how they got there, but uh, they did. And at times the offense was just flat out electric. Mm-hmm. And Max Freed was that constant, that guy you could count on that if he wasn't going to get a win, you knew he was going to give you a quality start and he was going to be, you know, the hammer in that rotation, which you always like to have a guy you know you can count on. Braves had a couple of those, but, you know, because of injury, as you indicated, they struggled. Yeah. And uh, so it was nice to see Max. He's here for the long haul. He just got way better. He added a slider. He's going to tell you that he just pitched better, and that's true, too. Like, he did have better command, but he really added that slider, which was a top-notch pitch to righties, and they had to respect that. And he got so many jam shots, ground mm-hmm. balls, a second base, shortstop because he added that to righties, and he just became a more complete pitcher. It really didn't matter who walked up to the plate. Those combinations, that wicked curve he was throwing, the high fastball, slider change, um, he just overmatched everybody. Yeah, he definitely did. Let's throw some numbers out there. 225 ERA for free to 7-0 and record in the regular season as well. It's second most wins, if you're still into those. Those are still nice to have. 
uh, in the I'm National into League. Those. I'm into those. Yeah, I, mean, I like yeah, my guys I to have a better one-loss record, but I mean, team, at the end of the day, that's the one-loss record we all care about. But it certainly looked good when you're talking about a 7-0 and season and one of the uh, top ERAs in the league as well and uh, saved some really good baseball for the postseason as well. Struck out about a batter per inning across 23 and two-thirds frames. And, uh, you know, Max Fried, and I've already seen this from his media availability throughout last year and even early in the spring, he doesn't ever seem like the work is done. It always seems like he's constantly yeah. thinking about, okay, what's the next thing I need to be concentrating on, whether it's for five days from now when I make my next start or just in general, what things can I be working on to put myself in a position to succeed? And that work ethic, it was on display last year with the results that he was putting up for the Braves. I mean, when I ask him a question, he works hard at even thinking about the answers he's getting ready to give. You know, so no, absolutely, he works hard. And guys that work hard, for me, are really easy to pull for. They're very likable. Um, he cares. I remember he had a message for a kid one time and he really took a second to really think about what he was even going to say to the kid as a yeah. little side note on camera, you know, and he's just a great guy. And, and I love it when somebody has success and they're humble, mm-hmm. they stay the same person they were as they are when they came up and they're fighting to get through the minor leagues and are just thankful to take an interview in a big league locker room. And when that person succeeds and is one of the top pitchers in the league and is that same guy who's thankful it's a beautiful thing. That's Max Freed. So I'm a big a fan as him for him off the field as I am on. And man, when he pitches, is so fun to watch. It definitely is. He's a competitor out there. I mean, that kind of bulldog mentality. He never seems to give in. If anything, he's gotten more and more aggressive each and every year in the big leagues. Even when he was pitching in relief and and kind of got that surprise call up a, a few years ago, where you didn't really expect mm-hmm. him to make that jump from Double A. But it's the first time that people started to see some of the young guns and the young prospects the Braves would be leaning on when they got on the other side of the rebuild. And Freed kind of had to fight his way into rotation. He wasn't even in the starting five on opening day of 2019. He was still trying to fight his way through and get himself out of the bullpen and into rotation. He ended up winning 17 games. He was really good in relief for a couple of those games against the Cardinals and showed you a lot. And then in 2020, he showed you even more. And as you mentioned, the arsenal that he has. We all know about that curveball. His fastball can hit the mid-90s pretty consistently as well, but that slider really did seem to be his X-factor pitch because it was something else to keep righty hitters off of his other offerings. Yeah, if you have one of the best pitches in the game, which Max does, that curveball up, you know, in the 2,900 revolutions per minute, Mm -hmm. and you just say, wow, man, this guy can really spin it. A lot of times the hitter will say, okay, I'm not going to swing at a curve. I don't care if he strikes me out with it. I'm just not going to swing yeah. it. You know, so uh, anything that starts up in a zone, which a curveball does, is going to be a strike. And anything that starts mid-zone, where you pick up that spin, I'm going to let go. So a lot of people would just say, I'm committing to not swinging at the curve. And then you got to have other good stuff to go with that, or you're going to get crushed against the best hitters in the world. And I think that's where Max came into his own, where he did not need the curveball. But if he's going to strike you out with other stuff and then he mixes in the curveball and is going to strike you with that out with that as well, then you have to respect that. And they did, and I think that's why he made that jump. And like I said, man, there's pitchers who are really good, and there's pitchers who are really good, and they're very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I really like watching him pitch and working that curve and different sides of the plate and really being out there thinking, not just being a thrower. Yeah, and I still think that 12-6 curveball is one of the best pitches to watch in baseball. When somebody's got one of those, because it's not as common anymore, 
I mean, that used to be the breaking ball yeah. du jour, but the slider overtook it quite a while ago. But for the guy that does stick with the old-school-style curveball, I still like seeing somebody getting outs, getting swings and misses with that pitch. It does. It's, it's kind of in that factor of why he is fun to watch. It's having a weapon like that. Uh, let me ask you real quick before we move on to Mike Soroka. Uh, Max Fried getting a full quota of starts. At least that's what we're hoping for. A nice, healthy, full season from Max Fried. We saw what he could do in the shortened season. Uh, what are your expectations this year for what the next step is for this lefty? I'd look for him to stay the same. Um, I don't think you're going to change anything or do anything different or invent some new pitch. Just continue to be better with what you have and do what you did last year. And, um, you know, he is in the prime of his career. So I think you're going to see somebody who is doing what they did last year and being dominant. And with the other guys in this rotation, if healthy, guys like Soroka, this rotation – can be very, very scary. And let's face it, that NL East is so daggone strong. It is. Uh, we'll need every one of those guys. Most definitely. And for Max Freed, the expectations are clearly there now. And uh, he has arrived. And it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that in this full season where this is kind of his rotation right now as well from having stepped yeah. up, gotten some Cy Young consideration for what he did last year and really being the Braves' number one pitcher throughout the season. Let's go over to Mike Soroka, another guy that we're hoping can assert himself as a top-of-the-rotation style starter. He showed us a ton in 2018 as a rookie. 2019, he showed us even more. 2020, though, man, this is one of the toughest injuries I think I've seen on a baseball field was the torn Achilles for Mike Soroka in start number three of the year. But I think you and I both know from talking to Mike Soroka that as soon as he was able to get back to work after getting that thing fixed, he was right back to work. And I think that coming to the spring pretty much ready from the arm side of things has to make you feel pretty good about Soroka getting back in the saddle this year. Yeah, it's, you know, the Hall of Famer is a guy that extend that prime of the career and they get started early or they're just unbelievable, like you mentioned, to Halliday for 10 years. But Mike's in the prime of his career, you know, kind of started out in the big leagues. Like, you know, hey, I'm ready to go right away. I'm an ace day one. He has just been fantastic. Again, another guy that's very humble, a guy that's very likable, a guy that's very fun to watch pitch, can get you out many different ways. He's more of a surgeon. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I love the fact that he, in his, you know, first year is already working on righty-righty change-up, something I didn't work on until I was in my mid-30s. Amazing. And, um, yeah, so he's just on that level. The sky's the limit for him. I expect him to – I hate – putting comparisons or saying he could be the next Greg Maddox, be the next Mike Soroka, be the next best version of yourself. But I expect him to have a Maddox-esque type career where you can just pencil him in and say, man, one of the best starters in the game. You can count on him. Uh, He doesn't overthrow, which also adds to longevity. He's got good mechanics, IQ, baseball IQ off the charts. No doubt. Fearless a drive, a competitiveness. He literally checks every box. If you were to create and make a pitcher from scratch on a video game, he's the guy. So I look for him to be that anchor in this rotation. I'm glad the Achilles, I don't want to get too excited too soon, Mm -hmm. wasn't that devastating injury that could affect someone's career. And the way he went down was so scary last year. I'm very excited with what I talked to Mike a week ago as well. I'm very excited with uh, where he's at. 
Now, Soroka's success is a little bit similar to Freed in that he does generate a lot of ground balls, and people may not realize that's something Max Freed does well, uh, but Soroka seems to keep hitters from being able to barrel up the baseball consistently. He keeps the ball in the park. He doesn't walk very many hitters, and I think he strikes out enough batters to be the effective pitcher that he is, but he could take another step. If he misses a few more bats, and I know that's kind of a nitpick almost at this point, but it's just one of those things. That, yeah. you know, when you look at the analytics, you think, well, if he got a few more strikeouts, I mean, just think about with everything else he's doing right, if he racks up a few more of those, we could be talking about a perennial Cy Young Award candidate. I mean, that's the read that I have on it just from looking at his stat cast info and just knowing the IQ that he has, as you mentioned you know, the things that he's working on at the age of 22, 23 years old in the big leagues, far beyond what some veteran pitchers have a grasp on in their late 20s or early 30s. And I remember meeting 18, just turned 19-year-old Mike Soroka after his year in Rome, and he was telling me about how he could use his fastball as four different pitches depending on how he located it. And I had to ask him, I said, I've talked to older pitchers that don't think about it this way. You know, how does this even occur to you? He just loves to study the game, and he loves finding every single advantage he can and putting that in his game plan and then going out and executing. So as you said, I think a surgeon might be one of the best ways to describe Mike Soroka's approach on the mound. Yeah, good learner, able to apply. Also had a very good teacher in Chris Reisman when he was young. You know, and there's something to be said for that too, getting experience on Team Canada when you're 15 years old. Yeah. But you have to learn from that too, and you have to make adjustments, and you have to care and um, he is all of those things. So I'm really excited to follow this guy's career. And uh, like I said, also super likable off the field mm-hmm. too. Now, I don't like to play the what-if game a lot. And as we kind of wrap up our discussion on Soroka and move on to our next guy in the rotation, I just have to look back at the NLCS and think, what could the Braves have done in that series with a healthy Mike Soroka? I think it's a pretty fair thing to wonder yeah. about. but. That just goes to tell you not only how much the Braves overcame on the pitching side because their rotation really just picked it up and took it to a whole other level in October, but with Mike Soroka, I just feel like the Braves would have been the team that was heading to the World Series last year, and it's going to be hard to convince me otherwise. I just think he could have made that kind of difference. I would agree with you, and you know I don't think you're reaching or it's a stretch at all. Like I would say Braves win it all last year if Mike Soroka is healthy. Um, I got no problem that's, saying that. This is a great case for all that. Due, yeah, it's with all due respect for the Dodgers and what they did. And, you know, injury is part of it. You have to deal with that. That's part of it individually, surviving in the big leagues. And also as a team, you know, you have to deal with injuries. I think that's one of the reasons that Alex Anthopoulos went out and got those guys. But, yeah, it's one of those where it hurts. And I know those guys, the Braves, had such a good year last year, yeah. but if you ask them, you know, it wasn't so good because of the way it ended, up 3-1 on the Dodgers and feeling like could have been over. Yeah. And uh, just just got to credit the Dodgers for their comeback, and, you know, maybe this year the Braves will get another chance in that same situation. You certainly hope it is, and not the way that the team wanted it to end, and I'm sure for Mike Soroka it had to be excruciating to be sitting on the sideline not being able to contribute as well. So, Uh, Let's hope that back and healthy, and he might start the season on the injured list. I believe that's the way the Braves will go, especially if we're not dealing with a DH situation in the National League this year. I think it's just smart because, I mean, you know from being part of a pitching staff for years and years and years, you don't always need all five starters in the early portion of the season. So, if anything, giving Mike that extra 10 days, couple of weeks, whatever it is, to finish off, get himself physically ready to go out and compete, 
I think that's nothing but a good thing. So if they're cautious with Mike Soroka, can certainly understand that because we want to see what level he's going to be able to take it to as he gets back on the field to prove himself again, I guess, in some ways in 2021 with a healthy campaign. Uh, a guy who proved himself a lot last year, Paul, was Ian Anderson. And it's a name that we heard a lot. Yeah. We've heard all kinds of Braves pitching prospects in the last four or five years during this rebuild. Some of them, like a Max Fried, a Mike Soroka, they've come up and they've been everything that's advertised and more. Others have had a little bit of trouble establishing themselves at the big league level. Well, I would say that Ian Anderson is more of the former than the latter. He did not seem to have a lot of trouble. He came right out of the chute and went toe-to-toe with Garrett Cole in his big league debut. He beat the Yankees. He beat the Red Sox. And he put up some good starts for the Braves when good starts were hard to come by by anyone not named Max Reed. No, you're right on. Biggest surprise of the season, hands down. That goes for Ozuna's incredible year offensively, some of the other breakout years. Ian Anderson was the biggest surprise of 2020. I'm so excited to see him pitch in 2021. Um, Scouting report totally wrong on him when he came up. It said that he has a really good curveball that's ready, but his Mm -hmm. changeup needs some work, and he's throwing it to try and improve it <laughs> that was he came up with one of the best change-ups i've ever no seen and i just wadded that scouting report up and threw it away and i thought whatever scouts combined to put mm-hmm. this together sorry guys um that was unreal and the curveball um needed a little work needed to get better if that happens good night yeah you know look out he's he's that frontline starter again which would give the braves numerous top of the rotation guys so I'm looking forward to him repeating that. You know, he hasn't done that for three years in a row. And one of the things you look for is consistency. But I don't see the guys game planning against him, meaning the hitters. Like some guys, you get away with them certain things, but then they figure you out. You know, the best hitters in the world in the game plan, they go, okay, he can't throw his breaking ball for strikes. I'm not going to swing at yeah, it. Or da, 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 he can't. Yeah, he can't throw to the inside part of the plate. So I'm just going to look away, let everything go in. But Ian hit all of his spots, in and out with the fastball. He threw up, he threw down, he threw change-ups. And he got people out in the zone, and they never figured him out. He had such great deception. So when you can't game plan against guys that get you out in the zone all over the place with multiple pitches, it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so if he pitches like he did last year like that, um, man, he's going to also have one of those careers where – you know, at the end of it, you're just saying, okay, this guy Hall of Famer. You yeah. know, he's uh, at a young age. He's so good at a young age. If he can stay healthy and repeat this year after year, he's just going to have a brilliant, phenomenal career. Yeah, and I try to be careful with the expectations, but when you go out and do what Ian Anderson did last year, it's hard not to get excited yeah. about what this guy's ceiling yeah. could be. And, and you know, I mean, you went through this whole thing, and, of course, you've seen it throughout your broadcast career as well. I mean, baseball is a very humbling sport, and humility, as we say, is only one pitch away for guys as well. So 3-2, and two, 195 yeah. ERA in his 32 and a third innings for the Braves in the regular season, only one home run allowed. And if you go back and look, that was a hallmark of his success in the minors. He does not allow a lot of home runs. So, That did not surprise me, but then he goes into October, punches out 24 more batters in 18 and two-thirds innings with a sub-one ERA. I mean, you can try to slow play it if you want to, but when a guy comes back for his first full season in the big leagues with that kind of success under his belt already, 
again, it's hard not to yeah. get excited about what Ian Anderson could mean for the Braves, not just in 2021, but for the immediate future, maybe the long-term future as well. Nah, you just said it. I mean, I'm beating Cole right out of the gate. You're like, okay. Was that, you know? <laughs> good I mean, test. You do something like that again, and you're like, okay, just good start after good start. And then you're like, okay, playoffs, is he going to be able to breathe? He's just a, you know, just got here. And the next thing you know, he's all world in the playoffs and did things that mm-hmm. many Hall of Famers wish they could have said they've done. Yeah. And um, you go, wow, man, this guy has been an incredible you know, 2020 surprise, and and now, like we said, cannot wait to see his future. Yeah, you mentioned that scouting report that talked about how Ian Anderson needed to work on a changeup or that it was a work in progress. Well, it was in 2016 when he was drafted by the Braves because prior to his pro career, he never threw a changeup. But he spent the last four Mm -hmm. seasons in the minor leagues bringing that pitch along until now at this point, and I think you may have already touched on this, I think the changeup may be his best pitch. What about you? No, I would agree. I think it's his best pitch. Uh, fastball is his best pitch, but as far as his out pitch, yeah, yeah, I would say change up. Yeah, I would say change up. And, you know, fastball change, if you hit all your spots and have deception and go up and in the zone with, you mm-hmm. know, mid-90s like he can, mm-hmm. then, uh, man, you're dangerous because you're getting guys out in and out, frontwards and backwards. And uh, like I say, man, I cannot wait to see him pitch again this year. Absolutely. So Ian Anderson, another member of that Braves starting rotation. So, so far, we've run through what I think is your top four in that rotation in some order. I think Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson. And then there's a couple of other guys that we're familiar with. But one other new face, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on him, Paul, is Drew Smiley. uh, Because this is kind of a calculated risk again by Alex Anthopoulos. This feels... Maybe not the track record for Smiley, of course, that Cole Hamels had, but you know he's paying a little bit extra to get this guy in here because he believes there's something to build off of. And for Smiley, he had a couple of lost years in Seattle, and then he ended up kind of bouncing around a bit. Tommy John and a couple of other assorted injuries had really slowed him down, but you have to love the numbers that he put up in San Francisco. The Braves are just hoping that this is sustainable. And I think it's important to have another left-hander in the rotation to pair up with Max Fried to kind of break up the run of right-handers in rotation. Uh, what do you make of this opportunity for Drew Smiley at age 31? He's never really had that sustained success, but uh, this was a guy that was once a, a top prospect himself, and I think he's ready for his redemption tour. Yeah, good pitcher who's gotten better. I think he fits into this rotation really well. Talking with Drew, he said, man, I really never looked at it. Like, we knew how good Atlanta's rotation was, but I really never looked at how young some of these guys were. Yeah. You know, and because they make it look so easy so soon, you kind of forget, oh, man, Soroka is, you know, 23. I mean, he's just getting going. And you say, oh, wow. Uh, Even the Bryce Wilsons, you know, you kind of forget how young those guys are. So. I think Smiley is going to be a really nice fit, whether he's in the pen or whether he's in the rotation. And, um, you know, to quote an old saying by Leo Mazzoni, he would always say, these things have a way of working themselves Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to pull a calf muscle with two weeks to go, you know, in spring training or something. And they always did that a way of working these things out. And, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see either way. He's a great addition to the team. Uh, will also be very good in that locker room. You mentioned him being a lefty. That's really nice, too. So these guys help each other. they got a good thing going, and I think Smiley will add to that locker room 
and, you know, be really good on the field. Yeah, the synergy, again, to use that word for this rotation, it feels like they've put together a good group with some different backgrounds, different arsenals, different styles, and yeah. that, that I think is important as well because it doesn't allow the opposing team in a three- or four-game series or when you get to the postseason in a you know five-game series, seven-game series to get as comfortable with you as they might if you had a lot of similar styles. Not to say that you know Max yeah. Scherzer and Steven Strasburg can't live in the same rotation. Well, of course they can, but you know for what the Braves are doing with – uh, bringing up some younger guys and some proven guys. I think Smiley's an interesting wild card in this because with the Giants last year, a 342 ERA, nearly 14 and a half strikeouts per nine in a smaller sample size, but velocity jumped up big time. And the other thing that he did was he really changed his pitch mix as well. It was like you said with Charlie Morton, it was kind of scrapping what he'd been doing and trying something completely different. And now really the only question is, how can he do this with a regular workload of a full season? Because, again, injury has been his absolute biggest adversary because his major league career began in 2012, and he's thrown just 700 innings for his career. So a late bloomer, again, a lot like Charlie Morton, I guess, in some ways. No, you're right on, and it's going to be – I'm in the Tommy John club as well. Yeah, and so it's a big club. Sometimes not like you just uh, have Tommy John and then you're paying for – you know, there's still some time where – your arm is getting used to things. And uh, same thing with Drew, as we've talked. And uh, he's looking forward to pitching and being healthy and having fun. Yeah. It's no fun to pitch when you're hurting. And so I think having that surgery makes baseball fun again. So I think part of what you're seeing, not just him throwing a little harder, a little better, is that he's healthy. And yeah. uh, so I know he's excited to go here in Atlanta and be part of what they have going on. Yeah, a little different pitch mix for him, as I mentioned, more of a fastball, curveball guy now. And that, again, has mm-hmm. worked well for Charlie Morton, and it works well for Max Freed. works well for a lot of guys if you can throw up for strikes and get guys to swing and miss. And I think the prevailing thought with Smiley is one that Cole Hamels may be aside, and there really are no bad one-year deals. The Braves saw a lot of upside here. They identified Smiley immediately. They signed him early in the offseason. So they let him know he's wanted here. And I think that that can be a little added motivation as well. So, uh, we'll see what Smiley's able to do. I know Alex Anthopoulos said that it's a similar but a little bit different approach that they had with Travis Darno, where they believed, okay, he's shown some stuff the year before we've signed him. We believe we get even more out of him once we get him in here, and hopefully for the Braves yeah. and for Drew Smiley, that will be the case. Now, uh, a couple of other guys before we wrap up that we saw some last year got pressed into action. Mixed results, I guess, would be the best way to put it for Kyle Wright, who has been – among the Braves' top prospects since he was taken high in the draft in 2017, he'll show you those flashes of brilliance, and then it'll be followed up by just these maddening bouts with not being able to command, missing out of the strike zone a lot, and then getting punished by hitters. But we saw some things out of Kyle Wright late in the season that clearly earned him a spot in the postseason rotation. Uh, what do you think's missing for Kyle Wright, or what do you think he's looking to do this year that could help him finally find the consistency that he's been looking for every fifth day? I wouldn't change a thing. It'd be one thing if he started really great and finished poorly. Yeah. He started poorly and finished so well. He was dominant, um, dominant in the playoffs. I know he didn't have the best outing, the last outing. No, that was a rough one. Um, but he, Yeah, but he's, he's a sinker ball guy now, which before they wanted to change him. You know, they took away his curve. They wanted him to throw up in the zone with the fastball up, 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 up you know, gets back to that, be the best version of you, which is what I would say to Mike or anybody. What I was talking about with Mike Soroka is, you know, be the best you. 
and he was a curveball guy. He also threw a sinker. Yes, he threw a four-seam fastball and a slider, but he stopped using all of those pitches when he left Bandy. My son faced him in 17. Mm -hmm. I watched the game, sat behind home plate, and he could have got anybody out in the big leagues that night, but he stopped doing what he did. And so now he is back to mixing all of his pitches, throwing the sinker, getting a ground ball, scooted over on the other side of the rubber, been very effective for him, and the sky is the limit. So, you know, whether he's going to be in the rotation or whether he's going to be a long man, he could got the stuff to, you know, be a back-end reliever out of that pen. He's another guy I can't wait to see pitch this year, just like the Sorokas and the Ian Andersons. I'm really looking forward to seeing him pitch in 2021. And let me ask just kind of a general question, because you mentioned they kind of got him away from uh, what he was doing that made him so good in college. Why do you think that is? Maybe more so in his case, I guess. But also you see a lot of teams or organizations that will take a guy in that uh, clearly he's got strengths, but it's almost like you almost get too smart for the puzzle that you're trying to work to unlock this guy's potential where you start to maybe ask him to do things that, as you put it, just aren't him. Yeah, so I believe there is something inside somebody where they want to matter. And when you want to matter, you have to do something that makes you matter. Mm -hmm. And as a coach, you have to make a change because, hey, I want to be part of helping somebody get better. And if I don't make any change, I don't help them get better. I'm not even coaching. Why am I here? I don't matter. And I think people have to realize that sometimes the best coaching is not doing a thing. Yeah, It's the if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure. The first time I watched Manny Ramirez take BP in AAA – Charlie Manuel is the coach and I'm hitting fungos because I'm a pitcher. And after he finished hitting BP, he was very unorthodox. He was out on his front foot. He got jammed a lot. He slapped the ball the other way. Then he went into launch mode, started hitting the ball 500 feet. And it was just very free swingy, you know, Manny Ramirez. And, you know, Hank Aaron was an orthodox. So was Roberto Clemente. So were many good hitters. And so Charlie Manuel walked over to me afterwards and he said, Hey, Birdie, He goes, you know what you do when you see somebody hit like that and you're the hitting coach? And I said, no, what do you do? He goes, nothing. You leave them alone. (laughs) He goes, you leave them alone. And I thought, that's the best coaching advice ever. Yeah. Sometimes you leave them alone. Makes uh, sense to me. I wish they would have left Kyle Wright alone and let him do what he did so well when he was at Vandy. And I think they're doing that now and you're seeing that. Well, let's see if he rediscovered some of that in 2021. And let's wrap up our talk about the Braves' rotation with Bryce Wilson. I want to uh, get you out of here, but I don't want to sell Bryce Wilson short because while his story might have been very similar to Kyle Wright in the kind of ups and downs, highs and lows that he experienced throughout his young big league career, unlike Wright, who had a pretty rough start against the Dodgers, which, hey, join the club. They're a good team. But Bryce Wilson was out there outdueling Clayton Kershaw in a National League Championship Series game What do you think a start like that does for the psyche of a young guy like Bryce Wilson as he comes back to big league camp this year? Sometimes there's a turn in someone's career. It's that one game, that one at-bat, that one hit, that one strikeout Mm -hmm. where you say, man, I belong. And if that outing does not enable Bryce Wilson to say that, then I can't help you because he was (laughs) phenomenal. Outdoor Clayton Kershaw. I love Bryce Wilson's mom going crazy. So that is something that I think he will carry into the next year. No promises, but I expect him to. It's just part of that maturation process. 
he too was very, very young. But after last year, um, and he had some good starts along the way too, again, back to throwing a sinker, yep. not trying to throw up in the zone and strike everybody out. Um, so he's, uh, this will be a big year for him too, whether he's out of the pen or in that rotation. Yeah. And I think he has a role to play, as you mentioned, whether or not there's only five spots in rotation. Could the Braves play around, maybe try to mix in the sixth guy for, you know, two, three weeks, whatever it may be. Sure. But for yeah. the most part, you're going to have guys in roles because you want them there for consistency's sake so that they're put in a position to succeed. But again, the depth the Braves have here, starting at the top of their rotation with Max Fried and Charlie Morton and Mike Soroka, and then moving through the Ian Andersons, Drew Smiley's, Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. This is a good group here, and I think it's a lot to be yeah. excited about for how the Braves have themselves set up for an, what should be a fun year in an ultra-competitive National League East. So, uh, Paul, I appreciate all your time. I always love talking pitching with you. You could probably do it for another couple of hours, but I know we both probably got things we got to do today. But I know when we sit down and we do a show like this, uh, that baseball's almost here, and I always get excited about that. So thanks again for making some time to join the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Love talking to you as well. We both share that same passion of baseball. Can't be faked, and uh, mm-hmm. I love it. So thanks for having me on the show. You got it. My thanks again to Paul Bird for making that time to join the show today and get you up to speed on the Braves' rotation. There's a lot to be excited about with this starting five this year. A lot of great arms, and if it's a group effort and everybody pitches up to their potential, then the Braves should not just be feeling good about their chances in the National League East, but also the chance to get into the World Series for the first time since 1999. As always, make sure you subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Appreciate those ratings and reviews, and you can share the show with a friend if you'd be so kind. Over on Twitter, you can find the show at From the Diamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley. Paul Bird is at Paul Bird 36. On Instagram, at Grant McCauley there, at From the Diamond as well. And make sure you look up the YouTube channel. You can just search for my name, Grant McCauley, G R A N T M C A U L E Y, and make sure you hit that subscribe button there so you can get the alerts and all the videos that are posted each and every week. And if you're looking for anything else Braves-related, including some articles and preview series stuff I'm going to be doing, you can find it at FromTheDiamond.com. My thanks again to Paul Bird for joining the show, and my thanks again to you for making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen. And we'll pick this thing up next time with a look at the Braves' bullpen, so be sure to stay tuned for that. So for Paul Bird, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time here on From the Diamond. So long, everyone.